0: pianist and I spent four or so years studying. The way uh, the structure of that course works is that you, um, you know, every year there's a similar pattern and you're studying with your colleagues and uh, there are teachers there who are great, but it all leads up to this one point at the end of four years, this one performance, 40 minutes of standing on a stage like this and performing, and essentially the whole of your uh, four years culminates in this moment, so it's quite a big deal and I, had, uh, I loved playing the trumpet. Um, I've actually found moving to London quite tricky. I'm from the Midlands, and London uh, is amazing, but it's also quite a hard place to live if you're um, a young person. It can be quite challenging. Um, and I'd been struggling a bit with my performance and not feeling super confident. But I'd been praying about this a lot with God. We'd been working really hard. I'd been reading my Bible. I'd done great prep. And I'd been bargaining with the Lord. I was like, do you know what? Let's do this. We're going we're gonna to finish on a high. Um, we're going to do this. We're going to do this performance and we're going to nail it. So it got to the day, I was feeling good. You know, I had to produce my own program and I would put a little reference to Jesus in there, you know, making it a bit evangelistic. And I was like, we've got this. Um, I'm trusting you, God. And then I did the performance and it was okay. But I didn't feel that I performed to the full potential. And I I felt like I'd failed. I felt like I'd let myself down. But actually the overriding emotion was that I felt that God had let me down. I was like, God, we we'd talked about this, I'd prayed about this, I'd given this to you, and I'd trusted you, and I felt a bit silly, I felt almost foolish that I would trusted God, and I'd kind of put it all out there, and then, like, where was he? For me, this had, this had been a failure, it'd gone really, it'd gone wrong, and, and God hadn't been there for me. I felt really disappointed. And uh, my response in that situation was to essentially run away um, a little bit from God. And I I was just very confused and I was hurt and I didn't know how to talk about it. And so I, I fled and I pushed God to one side. And it actually took me a really long time to, to get over this um, and to engage with God about it and to hear what he had to say um, and to be real with him. And there's a lot about this psalm which I think is really useful in those kinds of situations. You know, often it won't be that we have a, like a big moment. That's not like a big disappointment. It might be one of those little everyday things where we're feeling a bit low or we're feeling like God doesn't hear us. Um, this psalm is perfect for that. So I hope that over the next few minutes we can explore it together and it will be a comfort to you as it has been to me. Even the structure of this psalm is great. And works when we're thinking about how we can engage with disappointment. The psalmist starts not with where he's feeling, but with where he wants to go. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. He's longing for the presence of God. And he uses this image of the deer in this very evocative way. And I think that's quite powerful because the temptation, this was certainly my temptation, when. kind of burdened with something when struggling with something my prayer to god is lord take that away from me you know i'm struggling with x remove x remove my sorrow remove my pain um, take it away what the psalmist says is take me into your presence You know, we never find out why the psalmist is crying tears day and night. He doesn't tell us what has happened. We don't know what's gone wrong. And he actually doesn't bring that to God. He's not saying, here's this problem, solve it for me. For the psalmist, the solution is just to be in the presence of God. And I guess if there's any kind of message from this this morning, that's it. The solution to all of our disappointments with God, our disappointments with ourselves, is just to be in his presence. So he kicks off with this goal of being in the presence of God, and he describes it in that lovely imagery of the deer panting for water. And then he describes some of the, uh, uh, some kind of how he's feeling. He says, My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? He says of himself, My soul is downcast. Why are you so disturbed within me? He says, I say to my God, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in mourning, oppressed by the enemy? I mean, this is like heavy stuff. And I don't think we feel like this on a day-to-day basis, but sometimes we do. Sometimes it feels like that. Um, And the other great thing about this psalm is that he says that's okay. These are normal feelings. We don't need to be afraid, and we don't need to be afraid to bring them to God. And then a really brilliant thing happens in this passage. He says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving. So in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his disappointment, he remembers the good times. And what's important for me there, there are lots of important things, but I particularly like that he's not... It's not that something bad happens and then he has a break and then he remembers good stuff. Like He's forcing himself to remember what it was like when he was close to God, when he was surrounded by his family, um, his, his worshipping family. He forces himself to remember that in the middle of the tears, in the middle of his difficult time. And again, I think that's a real, um, it's a real guide to us. It's a real signpost. And I think it's a challenge to us as a community because when you're... Um, When I'm feeling low, when I'm feeling, uh, when my soul is downcast within me, you know, there's, there's no kind of button to press. There's no switch that I can flick just to transport me from that place into a more kind of spiritual, warm, kind of loved place. It's really hard to do that. You know, I have to talk to myself, but I think we have to talk to each other. Um, and Caroline was saying on the, on the video, you know, let's take time this summer when there's slightly less going on to invest in our friendships because we need to be able to say to each other, I need to be able to say to Basadi, let, let me help you remember, let me help you remember the goodness of God when you're struggling. I need you to say that to me. Rob, remember the goodness of God when I'm having a tough time and that's how we can be, um, we can really fellowship with one another. It's an important thing and it's an important thing that we can do as a church. And really at this point, the psalm could, could stop technically because we've, we've had the kind of the big themes. We've had the presence of God, you know, deer panting for the water, that's what we're looking for. We've had some descriptions of how awful everything is and we've had uh, like a top tip, let's remember the goodness of God in these things. And, and that's all of the content that exists within this psalm. He doesn't really say anything else and he could stop there. But again, this is where the structure of the psalm becomes helpful because there's this refrain which comes back again and again and again. Why are you downcast within me, O oh my soul? Why are you downcast within me? And as, as Caroline said, Psalms 42 and 43 are essentially, you know, the same psalm. And he keeps on kind of repeating this phrase. I don't know how many times he says it, like seven or eight times. But, you know, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? And um, I'm a musician, uh, as I was saying at the beginning, and, and I know that there will be musical and poetical reasons why this refrain comes back. It's like the songs we sing here. There's always a chorus which comes back a few times. This is almost like the chorus. It's a bit of a you know, a downer of a chorus. <laughs> but he's saying, why are you downcast within me? It comes back time and time again. And uh, these, were, these were pieces of, of worship. They were songs. So there'll be structural reasons why it does that. But another reason, I think, is because that's what life is like. You know, you don't have a negative experience, turn to God, and then it's all sorted. We have experiences, we turn to God, and yes, he responds. But we will go back and have those same experiences again. You know, our souls will feel downcast again. We will cycle around that because that's how we process things, and that's how we're made. And this psalm makes that okay. God's expectation is not that when um, we struggle, we come to him it's done and then we move on, that we can never revisit that struggle again or that we should experience full healing in that moment. As this psalm shows us, we will go back again and we will say, I'm still struggling, my soul is still downcast and we need to keep coming back to God and keep remembering his goodness in that. And then a really exciting thing happens. Actually, I'm glad I remembered this because i forgot it this morning the nine thirty guys were shortchanged because this is probably the best part of the whole thing um yeah so just in verse five so we've had the first why are you downcast O oh my soul why so disturbed within me and the response is put your hope in god for i will yet praise him my savior and my god put your hope in god and at this moment we should Stop to remember those magical verses in Romans 5 which talk about hope and suffering and character and perseverance. And I'm always a bit nervous when talking about this because um, suffering is extremely complex and uh, I I know uh, very little about it and I'm not qualified um, to speak about it. But what the Bible says, which is super clear, is this. In Romans 5, suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts. So when I was a young musician um, doing my, uh, my final performance exam, I felt shame, because I thought that I'd put my hope in God, and he'd let me down. And so I felt foolish. I was like, but you know, I'd done all the right stuff. I trusted God and he let me down. And I really experienced a sense of shame there, which is probably why I struggled to talk about it with my, with my supporters, my Christian friends and family. Um, but actually the hope of God never puts us to shame. Sometimes to understand that, we need to be in his presence. And so the psalmist encourages us to go into his presence and bring everything, bring all the baggage, bring all that we're feeling and let God find the solution. And then the, um, perhaps the high point of the, of the psalm, this lovely passage, verse 7, where I, th- I think the, the psalmist is describing what to him it feels like to be in the presence of God. So we remember the deer at the beginning, panting for um, streams of water, super thirsty. And this is how God responds. He doesn't give the, the deer um, you know a stream or a glass of water. I mean, dears, don't drink out of glasses, but you know what I mean. Um, what happens is this. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. So we're thirsty. We're seeking for a stream to quench our thirst. And God's response, the presence of God, is actually the roar of waterfalls. It's all of the waves and breakers sweeping over us. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me—a prayer to the God of my life, which is just thrilling, really. And there'll be people here who, um, you know, we're talking about the presence of God and entering into the presence of God. That, that might not be language you use; it might not be an experience you've had. Um, but we'll pray at the end about that because it's important that we that we do. You know, God is with us, and He invites us into His presence, and we will all experience that differently. Um, but for the psalmist, this is the language that he used, and it's quite powerful. And again, it it could end there, because we've had the lows, we've had the pictures, we've had the turning to God and the remembering, and then we have this amazing experience of the presence of God, and it could stop there, but I'm so glad it doesn't, because again, that's not life. Like, we don't always end on the high points. There are high points, yes, but we come back down again, and we have another moment of, why is my soul downcast, where we have to talk to ourselves, we have to re-engage with God, we have to seek his presence again. And so this psalm kind of ends, you know, both of this pair of psalms, they don't end on the high point. They end on a, um, like a quiet, barely resolute hope in God. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Looking forward to something that we can't see yet, but a promise of the future. So as a young person, younger than I am now, still youngish, um, and even today, you know, I experience disappointment, my original response, and to be honest, I probably do this more than anything else, is to run away and hide a little bit, um, and we push God away, don't we? It's, it's the easy thing to do, and I think it's quite a natural thing to do. Um, we need to encourage one another to try and respond, perhaps a little bit more like the psalmist at least describes in this passage, who knows what he actually did. And I think the, the, the one thing that I've really taken away from this and that I hope I can convey is that when we're faced with disappointment, and I titled this talk, um, How to Cope with Being Disappointed in God or something, and it's, you know, I think we need to acknowledge that. When we're faced with disappointment, when we feel like God has let us down, let's seek Him, let's push into His presence. Because I think something really powerful can happen when we bring our disappointments to God and you know we're in very good company jesus was disappointed he felt like god had let him down and forgotten him um on the cross he references psalm 22 my god my god why have you forsaken me like where are you what is going on i'm here this was was this the plan was this the plan this wasn't the plan he says why have you forgotten me god if jesus said that so can we you know in the garden of gethsemane he was asking god to take away this cup of suffering If Jesus can say that, so can we. And our response is, bring me back into your presence, where I'm loved, where I'm safe. So I want to close um, just by praying, actually, just to pray together. And I thought that we could um, just spend a bit of time in quiet seeking that presence of God. And we're so blessed in this church. You know, God is here. We turn up to church. He's been here waiting for us. Um, but let's consciously spend some time just going into his presence. And I'm just going to pray a little bit, if you don't mind, um, about kind of some of the things that we've been talking about. So let's pray. God, as we're sitting here now, um, we, we invite you. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to be here even more than you already are. and we open ourselves to your presence. And if you feel like you've had an experience of the presence of God in the past, then I'd encourage you now just to remember that. Just spend a few minutes remembering what it felt like. Or as the psalmist did, to remember going up with the throng so going with um people from church coming to church worshiping whether it's going to focus being with other christians celebrating worshiping jesus remember that and let those memories just really fill you and if that's not been your experience then now's the time If you want to experience more of the presence of God, then simply say to him, Jesus, show me your face. Show me your face. And there'll be people here who are currently experiencing disappointment, who feel like God has let them down. You're in good company. It's okay. And I encourage you to take your disappointment to Jesus. Father, we seek your presence. We acknowledge that we are weighed down and burdened from time to time and maybe even today. That we feel disappointment, that we feel abandoned. But God, help us lift our eyes to you. Give us a sense, a vision of your presence. And Lord, that is what we seek. And we seek it in the knowledge that even though we're after just a a cup of water to quench our thirst, what you have in store is torrents of water, waterfalls, waves breaking over us, drenched in your presence. And Lord, it's not that our problems are insignificant or unimportant. It's just that the overwhelming glory and greatness of your presence is the thing that we really need. And so we ask for it.